0: Hello and welcome. I'm Al Barrows and this is UFO Disclosure, the podcast that's meant to show an average person's reaction to all the UFO, UAP news from the internet, books, experiencers, and even our government. Today I'll be speaking with Marcus Loth. He is a freelance writer. He is also the writer and owner of MeTimeForTheMind.com. He also is the editor-in-chief of UFOInsight.com. And he is also the author of the book we'll be discussing today, From Deep Within the Archives of UFO Insight. Hi, Marcus. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you on UFO Disclosure. Thanks for being my guest.
1: No problem. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: So I'm just going to show our audience what the cover of the book looks like. Okay. And I got mine on Amazon. I'm sure that uh, you probably know. You can tell them where they can get it as well on your website as well, UFO Insight.
1: That's Mm. right, yeah, yeah. Neither of those those will work.
0: So I really enjoyed your book. It's um, a reference, almost a reference guide to almost all the UFO encounters that have happened in our modern day era. Mm. Um, So many stories, I couldn't decide which ones to pick. Um, And in the introduction, you do mention... That uh, you're putting them out there um, for people to decide for themselves, um, which is mm-hmm. a very objective way of going about it, a scientific approach, if you will. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Uh, there's no narrative behind it. You're just putting the stories out there as that, as, they, as they were told from the witnesses and yeah. uh, letting the reader um, absorb and decide for themselves. Um where did the stories come from you mentioned various platforms i assume you mean the internet and
1: yeah and- i mean various it, 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 the, the book came out of articles that were originally written for ufo uh, insight and um, and as i say they came from from the internet is one source um old newspaper articles old version old copies of flying saucer review that kind of thing uh, one or two accounts in there were were, were told to me directly by readers of UFO Insight, so we put them in. We uh, I say we, um, the guy behind UFO Insight was kind of behind the scenes, um, so we, you know, it's my writing, but we kind of conceived the project together, um, and we wanted to include really the most bizarre, the most outlandish, uh, you know, not some so, sightings such as the Phoenix Lights or anything of that nature. Ones so are a little bit lesser known, but certainly we we're looking for, for very bizarre accounts. And as you said, you know, we, 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 we I didn't want to write it as if. From a believer or a skeptic point of view, it was really this is what this guy said, this is what this lady said, and um, what do you think? Um, and I think as a researcher and a writer, I think that's the best the best way to approach anything of this nature.
0: I agree, and uh, your introductions and conclusions are also a nice addition, by the way, Marcus. Thank you. Um, I did notice as I was reading the stories, and by the way, just for my audience, the stories are fairly short, but uh, very mm-hmm. compelling. So it's an easy read, and there mm-hmm. are, I think, over 60 stories. And yeah, that's right. I'm a longtime fan of um, um, UFO encounter stories, um, and there are a few that I recognize, but I've, read, uh, U- I've been a fan of UFO Insight for a while, so I remember them from that. Um, yeah. There are quite a few that I had never uh, heard of before. So you right. did catch me off guard, and I'm sure you'll catch a lot of people off guard. Um, and as I was reading all these stories, I started to find a, a thread, some sort of similarity in the details. Um, and you mentioned that in your introduction. Some of the things that I noticed, for example, are there seems to be a lot of telepathy involved in these encounters mm-hmm. with the aliens. Um, yeah. I think there's a sulfuric smell that I remember for, from a few of those stories. Yeah, that's right. Of course, the tight-fitting suits, which I uh, selected or isolated, one of the stories that I want to talk to you about. Um, mm-hmm. um, it's called the um, Suit Study 48 Armageddon. A very fascinating story mm. about a suit that actually seems to be alive and um, um, the vessels themselves seem to be organic, too, in some of these stories. Um, a lot of this information is not uh, generally known, and I'm mm-hmm. encouraging my audience to uh, purchase the book. Um, I'm sure that uh, even if you're well-read on UFO encounters, you will be surprised by uh, quite a few of these stories. Um, if I may, uh, can we just jump right in uh, to one of those yeah. stories, because it has almost everything that anyone uh, would be interested in, and even then some, as far mm-hmm. as um, E.T. encounters, um, this would be the night fishing to the underwater base.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, okay. Uh, this is uh, Orlando George Faraday. Correct. Um, yeah, 1965, I think it occurred in 1956, but I believe it didn't become public knowledge until 65, so there's some discrepancy there on dates, but yeah, I mean... This was one where, you know, the guy was sat on a beach uh, one night in 1956, in the summer of 1956. Uh, he, he basically off and went night fishing. Now, he ended up hearing somebody approach from behind him. Now, he got friendly with some of the locals there. He thought it was one of them coming to, to ask for a cigarette or something like that. And when he turned around, there was, that you know, there was like a humanoid uh, alien, essentially, behind him. Uh, and so he ended up basically going inside this ship, uh, you know, he wasn't an abduction in the sense that it it was a terrifying encounter. He was almost invited on board the ship. Um, And uh, when he went there, there was another young girl there who had also part of the same abduction that must have been picked up previously. Um, And and essentially, um, what followed was kind of like experiments, but not of the of the uh, ominous nature that that you would associate with the greys. These these seem to be more to do with how how people would react, uh, the emotional state. Uh, it involves certain drinking of fluids, um, consuming egg-like uh, food, if you like, um, or tablets. Uh, uh, and when this was over, uh, both the George and the the young girl um, could they could use telepathy, as you mentioned earlier. They suddenly had an ability to use this. Um, it 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 was it wasn't a, as I say a menacing abduction. It really was more spiritual. I was I would suppose you would call it, and um, yeah, it it was it was typical of the abduction encounters of the nineteen fifties, which which you know seemed to revolve more around more around spirituality um, of um, uh, what's the word uh, uplifting humanity um, uh, as opposed to the. Very ominous and menacing abduction encounters that would follow in the 60s, 70s and into the 80s. Um, A fascinating encounter. And of course, it's from South America, uh, which is the whole continent is a a real hotspot for UFO activities. I'm sure you know. Um, And, you know, it makes you wonder what the reasons might be for that. But um, yeah, it's a fascinating encounter. It's another one that's connected to the water as well. As opposed to, although they did go into space, as opposed to going into the far reaches, and um, he particularly remembered entering the sea um and, and going to an underwater base now this sounds very outlandish uh, admittedly but many researchers many serious-minded researchers as well have voiced similar um conclusions if you like that that these things whatever they are are not coming from the vast reaches of space or at least not um all the time, they are actually coming from the Earth's oceans, um, and so you know it, it kind of makes sense that some of these encounters will happen uh, in coastal areas, uh, which obviously this one did.
0: You mentioned um, in the introduction to night fishing that um, if this turns out to be true, this account that it mm-hmm. could prove to be one of the most important decisions in terms of yield of historical information. Um, And as I was reading the story, um, I was trying to figure out what you meant by that. And uh, you did mention uh, the underwater base. Mm -hmm. um, And there was some sort of reference to Bob Lazar, um, similar propulsion system, I I think. And that goes back to what we were saying about similarities and how this might corroborate uh, what later on um, Bob Lazar said. Mm -hmm. Um, But... um, I think that towards the end, um, the humanoid or the uh, extraterrestrial um, was talking about how um, there were five different races on earth and that uh, originally, and most of them were eliminated. And the only thing that remained was the pineal gland and that we were the descendants of... um, think of the same humanoid alien species or did i misread the story
1: yeah no that that's yeah from how i uh understood the, the report is that that was the only holdover from from a previous race um and it's an interesting concept because this runs throughout esoteric teachings uh if you remember the guy i don't know if you're if you remember remembering max spears from the uk uh he, he suffered a very questionable death shall we say and um, he was an, another researcher I mean he was speaking about um, seeing visions and opening his pineal gland and um, people think of it as a third eye um, and if we go back to telepathy and the association that, that has with UFO encounters particularly in abduction encounters and the fact that these aliens use telepathy and some people who have been abducted uh, claim to have Uh, develop the ability to use telepathy this could be a connection to the pineal gland that you know lots of people suggest that we don't use uh nowhere near the the capabilities of the human mind it's for some reason it's shut off to us we don't know how to access it things of that nature and that would make sense because you've got some people who can they say see into the future or they can use telepathy or or, all manner of things to do with the power of the mind and you would think that if some people can do that, then all of us can. It's just that how do we how do we um, utilize that and, and, and open that, that power? And I think that's going on another point here. I think ultimately, although, you know, none of us, no researcher can say, well, we know what's behind UFOs and we know what's behind aliens. Um, but I would suggest that a lot of it will revolve around the power of the human mind um, and how we perceive reality, uh, even reality itself and what it might be. And um, lots of research just suggests, for example, that there's the same source behind UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, cryptids, anything from that paranormal world, it's basically just a different manifestation from the same energy source. And I think that's, that's certainly where my research is taking me, and I think that's where we'll, we'll end up going um, as we unravel, you know, the, the paranormal world.
0: Now, that's very well put, Marcus, and I think uh, the story does include... The fact that the um, alien said that to them they do believe in god but that it's more like an absolute energy to them yeah that yeah Speaks to what you were just saying
1: yeah again and, and and that kind of thing resonates with with old esoteric teachings and spirituality and and even you, you could take it back to the wisdoms of ancient Egypt, if you like. So if there is a connection between all these things, then you would think it is a manifestation of energy, which is essentially all human beings are, you know, we're all electrical energy, you know, encased obviously in a flesh and blood body. So, um, yeah, I do think it's interesting. And, and although you don't necessarily think of, um, you know, words such as God and, and religion and all that, when you when you speak about UFOs and aliens, there are plenty of other encounters. I mean, um It's not in the book, but I think the guy's name was uh, Sidney Patrick, I believe, uh, from the early 60s. And he had a similar encounter on the beach in California um, with uh, similar aliens, humanoid uh, aliens. You know, he went on board their ship voluntarily. Again, it wasn't a terrifying abduction scenario. Uh, And they, again, alluded to to like an all-powerful entity. Uh, You know, we would kind of uh, interpret as God, for want of a a better word. And, And so it does make you wonder, what you know how many of these ancient writings and esoteric teachings are actually intertwined with what we understand as the ufo and alien phenomenon today
0: um also um what i found very fascinating about this story and thank you for including this in the book because mm-hmm. it's corroborating evidence that his pineal gland or something was changed in him ferrari actually later on writes a medical manuscript yeah uh, that provides some sort of a cure for cancer and this was l- 3 decades later um proven or um written a very similar thing was written by a nobel prize winner uh, albert uh, zent uh, georgi um, yeah these are facts okay um, you yeah. can't deny that how did this guy ferrardi who had no medical background whatsoever come up with this
1: no exactly I, I mean and this is the thing isn't it so you, you've got so many possibilities here either either that the guy was uh, far more intelligent than than he made out and you know to to come up with a, a cure for cancer if you like or certainly a, a way of um of combating it and starting to combat it decades before modern science had done so it, and as you say it was proven decades later uh, and again it's not the only one um you, i've spoken to investigators who have you know been done hands-on researchers at research with abductees and a great many of them do come back and 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 feel that they've got a a better a a wider knowledge a a better understanding of the world around them um and so it, it it makes you wonder it makes you question should i say is this a purposeful um you know, event. Is this something that these aliens have done on purpose to enhance humanity in many ways? Or is it just a, a byproduct of such a meeting that somehow it opens a person's mind to ideas and concepts that they previously would have, would have known nothing about? But yeah, in this particular case, it, it it's too much of a coincidence to be able to just say, well, you know, we'll just dismiss it. It's just crazy nonsense. I mean, even if you don't believe that uh, actual aliens interacted with this guy, something strange certainly happened. Uh, and again, if that's in his own mind, the fact that that's resulted in him writing this, this thesis of how to combat cancer, then we, you need to then go down that road and say, well, where did this come from? So regardless of the true nature of the events, it's still so fascinating. And um, yeah, and it's replicated around the world and across the decades in, in so many other cases. So it's not, it's not an isolated case.
0: Unbelievable. And uh, the aliens were also quoted uh, as saying that uh, you will be useful to us in the future because this gland, the pineal gland, is the only legacy that remains here from us. Hmm. Um, So what I got out of that was that uh, somehow we're tied to them with our DNA.
1: Um, I mean, there's so many scenarios on this one. I mean... um if we look at the abductions by the Greys for, for a moment, a lot of researchers have come back uh, and again, serious minded researchers here, David Jacobs, uh, John Mack, Bud Hopkins, who believe that behind these abductions is some kind of uh, a breeding program almost. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and even on that notion, then you've got, you know, well, why is that? Is that for the benefit of humanity? Is that so they can take over the planet through the back door? Is it just to help them out? I mean, uh, I was reading an account the other day uh, of, a, of a lady who had been abducted and she used regression and she ended up accessing a past life as a grey alien. And I believe this or not, but this is what she said. And she said that their bodies had become ravaged to the point with, through living in, in, a, in a damaged environment. It becomes so ravaged that they couldn't uh, they couldn't breed normally. In fact, they couldn't breed at all and the reason behind the abductions is to basically try and find a way that, that they can breed again and they have, they she said they have exceptionally long lives and this is why they haven't died out but you know that won't last forever and um, so does that um some people believe more in your spiritual kind of movements that that these alien visitors are trying to raise humanity and that this that this pineal gland will will basically allow us to to access um i guess the the, the power of the mind and, and, and spirituality that, that was maybe present in ancient times when some people believe these aliens were here. um. So it, it just it, it's a good example of, of the subjects in general that as things come up, it takes you down so many different roads, so many different avenues that you'd previously maybe not thought about. And it, it really is a rabbit warren in that sense that, you know, you, you can explore five new ideas off the back of one uh, and um you know it's that's what makes it so fascinating really certainly to me
0: this one story uh, contains so much um Mm. if i may switch gears now if i may um the dade county alien encounter i picked that one because it takes place in florida Mm -hmm. and i live in florida so i know the terrain pretty well um this one took place in miami florida in 1992 But it didn't take place in the Miami that most people know, not uh, in the city, sort of in the outskirts of the city, um, in the marshland, uh, where there are a lot of vines and trees. And this happened in broad daylight, didn't it, Marcus?
1: Apparently so. I mean, again, it's another encounter, as we said at the beginning, where it is a little bizarre and outlandish on the surface now. Kind of what drew me to this one was that it came from Linda Moulton Howe, who was a very, very credible researcher, and um, very credible. So automatically, you think, well, you know, if she sees something in this, I'm going to explore it. Now, essentially, what happened on that day? Uh, there was uh, there was a, a young lady, and I forget her name. Let's let me grab it here. Her name um, is
0: Catherine Frankovich.
1: Frankovich Yeah. So so Catherine, she she was a she was a wildlife photographer and and, and a good one. You know, she was recognized as being very good. She was out in the in the Everglades regions, or certainly, like you say, out of the city, in in the urban areas, or you know, the rural areas, should I say? Um, Basically, just walking, doing a thing with her two dogs, and she essentially heard something around her. And when she focused in, she she saw what you might describe it certainly on the top half as a grey alien, large head, thin body, big black eyes. It had a. She remembered it had a particularly strange way of standing and certainly a strange way of moving, almost like a, like a gazelle as it moved. And we, and we need to bear in mind, again, she was a wildlife photographer, so, so she knew better than most um, the animals that would inhabit that, that terrain and and just wildlife in general. Uh, what happened was it was some kind of standoff. and They were just staring at each other. Her dogs were particularly agitated, although they didn't go to attack. They, they just stayed where they uh, were. But they were certainly aware of something... Now, what happened is the alien, or the parent alien, turned around and began to run. Um, for reasons she couldn't explain, she then chased it. She, she Maybe she wanted to catch a photograph, maybe she was just so intrigued, but she chased it. She didn't catch it, and eventually went into some kind of enclosure, whether it was a cave or, or, or some door that just opened out of nowhere. But the alien disappeared into this, and at this point she stopped. Now, she said that she could sense that, when that alien, or like I'll, I'll say alien, the apparent alien went in there. She got the the feeling that there was more of them. There was lots more of them inside there. Right. And at this point, she she turned around and backed away. Now, whether she would have been in any danger, uh, you know, wh- whether this alien was trying to lure her in there or whether it was generally just trying to get out, get away, that's open to debate. But she was adamant to what she saw. Um, and, and again we've got to again remind ourselves that, that she was a professional lady she had a lot to lose from speaking about this you know um, people all of a sudden don't want to use her word because she's talking about aliens and things of that nature so she's got more to lose than gain as of most people uh, in this situation several days later she was walking on the same trail again and she claimed that a a, a vehicle, a car that that looked like a government type of car, it certainly had those type of plates, uh, pulled up beside her and essentially, you know, warned her about speaking about what she'd seen. And they they didn't they didn't say where they were from, but they gave the impression that they were they were government people, and um, you know, she should she should basically forget about it all. So. Again, the fact that Linda Moller House documenting this says to me that something strange certainly happened. And once again, it, like you said, it, it didn't happen in the big, in the city where there's loads of people that could see it. It's, it's out in, in areas where there's not many people around. And uh, certainly America, you know better than me, there are vast, vast expanses of land where nobody lives. And there's, you know, there's big forests where there's nobody there. So there's certainly... Places for for these things to hide if if they wanted to, um. But yeah, it's a fascinating counter, um. And as you say, it happened in broad daylight, and I suppose the biggest question that we should take away from that is, if we are set for a moment, for one moment, that it's true, is that um, the government or certainly some agencies in the government appear to know all about it. You know, how did they know that that had even happened in the first place? And even if we get over that, well, what concern is it of, of, of them? And certainly with everything that's happening right now, as we're talking with, with the, you know, the, the the Pentagon revelations, it really does make you wonder, well, how much do these guys know? And where, you know, where is this going to take us?
0: Yeah. And um, I thought it was very unique because of the description of the alien itself, where it moved like a gazelle and, mm. um, Supposedly, well, I'm not sure whether it's in the description, but in other stories, there are aliens that uh, have sort of um, legs like antelope where the um, middle joint goes towards the back instead of what we have, a knee that uh, bends forward. And uh, every step that this alien seemed to take was like a three-foot leap. Yeah. Uh, And uh, I had never seen that in any other... Description of an alien encounter. So I thought uh, this was well worth uh, including in our podcast. And of course, there was a sulfuric acid smell afterward, which is common or uh, common yeah. in a lot of stories.
1: What's interesting about that about about the smell of sulfuric acid is is that again it comes up in in poltergeist cases, it, it comes up in ghost accounts, uh, it comes up in Bigfoot cases. So it's another reason to think. Well, look, these things are all connected, um, and and you know the fact that it. What it might be, who knows, but the fact that it is there in in so many different areas of the paranormal suggests the same source. Uh, And going back to how awkward it it moved, again, and like you, I've not heard, I've not read about any other accounts. I've heard about them, about these apparent greys looking, uh, moving in a robotic manner, uh, or, or being slightly awkward, but it almost makes you wonder, is that an effect of our gravity? on this apparent alien you know maybe in in other circumstances the environment's more controlled when they're near the ships or when they're on board the ships but because this was out in the open it it does make you question well do they do they have issues moving around in our gravity um is it is it not even a grey? is it another form of alien that we don't know anything about i mean if you recall paul hellyer Uh, The Canadian Ministry of Defence guy, now, he he said on record, too, that it's his belief that four to 12 different alien races have or are visiting the planet. So we might not necessarily be dealing with just one race. Um, If, again, we assume that they are actually extraterrestrials, I mean, there there could be a wealth of other explanations. But, um, yeah, it's a fascinating encounter. Like the previous one, there's different avenues we can go down with it. But again, I go back to the fact that Linda Moulton Howe reported on this, and, and I think that should really alert us that, you know, it, it's something that we should keep on the back burner at the very least and certainly not dismiss.
0: Absolutely. Linda Moulton, that's what caught my attention as well. Um, yeah. And if I remember correctly, the, um, the creature or the alien had a tight-fitting suit on as well, and dark black eyes, which are other similarities to the other stories, Um, And I'm just trying to awkwardly transition into my next story here, which is the uh, suit study 48 Armageddon file. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, I I thought we have to talk about this Mm because the suit suit seemed to have had a life of its own. um, And in so many other encounters that we've um, heard about or I've read about, um, the suits that they wear are sort of fitted. Um, and in this case in the this is might be disinformation from what i understand Mm -hmm. but it's from a file and um, apparently uh, this suit came from a crash in nebraska and they (laughs) couldn't find a way of opening it up they couldn't find the zipper and they worked on it for a while i'll let you talk to it uh, because you know this well yeah in a
1: similar way to the previous one what what because initially, again, this is bizarre. You know, we're talking about a suit that we'll get into in a moment that kind of adapts to whoever's wearing it. And as you say, it's, got, uh, it's almost got memories of its own. Um, the researcher who, who or, as, far as I'm aware, first put this into the public arena is Nick Redfern. Now, again, you know, he, he's a veteran researcher. He's well-respected. And the fact that he's got his name attached to it makes you think, OK, well, let's have a read. Um, and we will come back to the fact that it could be disinformation, though, as you mentioned, because that could very well be the case. Essentially, you know the basics of it is is that this suit was recovered from a from a crashed UFO. Now, again, we might want to keep in mind that there's revelations all over right now about recovering non-human entities and whatnot from UFOs, and that's on official record. And they said that this suit, they 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 tried to put it on, they tried to examine it. It was some material that they they just didn't really know uh, what it was. One soldier eventually agreed to physically try and wear this suit. Now, to begin with, um he couldn't get it on. It was literally like trying to put a sock over your entire body, you know, that kind of thing. As he persisted though, the suit then essentially came to life and, and almost almost enveloped him, you know. So it was it was like tightly fitting, but literally um, like made to measure. And it did this automatically, you know, through technology that we 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 just can't understand. Of more um more unsettling though, was that when he was wearing this suit, his mind was filled with visions. He said, and he said that these visions were, were memories, uh things that, not things that he had seen, but he believed they were the memories and and things that the previous owner had seen. Now, whoever that was, whether it was an alien or whoever, what caused most concern was that there appeared to be almost not visions of the future, but but. but memories of um apocalypse type scenarios burning cities war um and and so so you know that begs the question are these memories of of an apparent aliens uh from a from a planet that their planet maybe you know ended in that manner or, or are they almost predictions of the future or how they see the end game of their involvement with people on earth happening um And as I say, it's bordering on outlandish, but because uh, of the research who put it out, you you kind of pay attention to it. Now, what Nick Redfield went on to point out is that the lady who many suspect kind of released these leaked documents uh works for the cia um and again i'll uh, to grab her name i believe it's alice somebody um but yeah we come. so yeah what she was what he was saying was it was alice bradley sheldon and, and she worked for the cia and she, we haven't got a complete picture of exactly what she was doing a lot of the time it it is being put forward that she was behind a lot of the, a lot of these leaked documents. And the reason that these documents were leaked was almost for disinformation purposes, to put out reports that were so outlandish that then reports of UFOs or even alien abductions that weren't that were true would also be lumped into the to these bizarre reports. And so people would say, Well, it's all nonsense. And that's something which runs right the way through the UFO um, investigation going back to the modern UFO era in the late 1940s, you know, there's always been purposeful disinformation put out. So if that's the case, um, although that would make the account of this uh, suit 48 study, um, you know, irrelevant in the sense that, you know, it's just disinformation, what we need to then ask is, well, why is disinformation being put out in the first place? What are they actually... What are they trying to corrupt and hide through these outlandish accounts? Um, it must be something pretty big if they're going to such lengths, you know. Because they don't do this for fun. One thing also to bear in mind is that um, how um, Alice met her end. She she shot her. I don't know. She killed her husband. No, she shot him. I think she shot him. And uh, it was believed she did so because of his failing health. It was almost a mercy killing. But the fact is she then apparently shot herself afterwards. So she died in extremely mysterious circumstances, no information left as to why she'd done what she'd done. And obviously that's going to leave the door open for people to speculate. Well, maybe she and her husband who also had CIA connections kind of, for want of a better phrase, knew too much. Uh, You know, if they were behind these leaked documents of disinformation, then... It's only a matter of time before maybe they started speaking about that, and then all this disinformation that's been built up would come crumbling down. So it's an interesting case for two reasons. One, if it's true, then wow, that's some technology, and you know what have they got? And if it isn't true that, that particular case, and it's just disinformation, then we have to ask why uh, our, our government uh, agencies putting such information into the public in the first place, because they don't do so for their own fun. There's obviously a reason that they're they're taking up such exercises.
0: Well, either way, this is one of the most bizarre cases ever of uh, reverse engineering of alien technology. And um, going back to your point about disinformation, I've been following the subcommittee hearings here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seemed to be making Bit of headway and this seems to be all because of uh, dr stephen greer's push he had his um he has ev- he had his event um, this past uh, june which i also hmm. covered um and he's pushing for more disclosure from the government more transparency yeah um, but there's also a conspiracy theory saying that um they're letting you know just enough um to spin the narrative to favor them or the powers that be the black uh, uh, ops projects at usaps or even the negative aspects of the u.s government perhaps um maybe they just want to r- ramp up the war machine um keep making uh weapons
1: yeah i mean it, it the thing about disclosure and and i you know, and, and I've talked about this before on another podcast, is we're in a bit of a frustrating situation or position here because you almost think short of producing a flying saucer or an alien on the White House lawn, for want of a better phrase, then no matter what's said, a lot of people are gonna be very suspicious. They're gonna say, Well, you know more, you know, that's not all you've got to say. And as you say, there's already people you know, talking. about this is just his information. This is just drip feeding. This is just giving us just enough to to placate us, and uh, and there could be a lot of truth in that. And and I think, and and I honestly think that the blame for that lies squarely on on the United States government uh, and world governments as well, other governments around the world, because. You know, they've treated the UFO uh, phenomenon with with such secrecy. They've been so dismissive. Um, They've ridiculed, harassed people who have claimed to have these encounters. And now that they want to come clean, if we believe what they're saying, then they expect us all to say, OK, well, we'll believe everything you say. And I don't think it's going to be as simple as that. I think they've made the bed that they're going to have to lie in. And they're going to have to produce, you know, overwhelming uh, evidence for the general public Uh, to accept um, what they're saying is true and and that there's nothing else to come. Uh, And I think even now there's elements of secrecy around this. now. And I get there's national security issues, et cetera, et cetera, which is understandable. But, yeah, I think we're in a frustrating position that no matter what is said, there's still going to be conspiracies. There's still going to be as a mystery about it. And I think that is a making of the United States government and certainly the elements of the government. that have kept this secret for decades. When I mean, we're talking nearly a century, you know, 70 plus years uh, of denials um, project blue book, which was basically set up to try and, you know, ridicule and, and dismiss accounts. And that went on for 15 years and, um, And as i say i don't think they should be too surprised if people sit back and say well i don't believe you i I think they've they've kind of really really made a mess that they're gonna have to start trying to clear up if if this disclosure it um is going to work
0: it really is a um, quagmire and um, Mm. um, i've noticed that overseas um there's a different approach to the whole ufo phenomenon more open-minded, more transparency. Um, They take it a bit more seriously, whereas here it's sort of relegated to entertainment. uh, Mm. And just recently, the stigma starting to wear off. um, As you said before, if you just mention an interest in UFO prior to just recently, there was a stigma attached to you and your whole career was put at risk. Yeah. I would like to talk about a couple of more stories. Uh, The police sergeant, the crop circle, and the tall white aliens. And I like this story um, because it's in Wiltshire, where Stonehenge is at. I was just there recently. And um, because of the dismissive um, attitude of the police force, um, it was just outrageous that they would say that it was a personal matter because he was off duty. Um, Can you just quickly summarize?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what drew me to this one is, again, as you say, it, it appeared in national newspapers, uh, not necessarily, well, I wouldn't say it's not a credible newspaper, but, you know, the, the tab, a tabloid newspaper where they're kind of looking for sensational stories, but nevertheless, it still appeared and it's not, not, that often that UFO uh, accounts appear in there. The gist of the story was there was an off duty policeman. He was driving around Wiltshire, as you know, and Wiltshire is also a place where there's many crop circles, you know. So that's another little tie in there. Um, He said he saw what he thought were three kids messing around in a field. Um, He's a copper, he's off duty, but he still thinks I'm going to have a look. So he pulls over and and he makes his way towards them. Now, the closer he gets, he realizes that these these aren't teenagers messing around. They're not even human. He describes that they are kind of like pale aliens and more even more remarkable. They're around ten feet tall, is what he said. Um, he, he gets so close before he then has to back away. But then things turn a little bit bizarre. Um, you know, the environment around him kind of shifts. And he, he can hear like electricity around him, some static electricity, which, again, people who claim to have been close to crop circles forming claim to hear these kind of sounds and this type of atmospheric phenomena, you know, um, basically he called out to them, but, they, they, you know, they just turned and went. And um, the report ended up leaking out into the public. Some researchers did contact Wiltshire Police, at least according to the report, and as you say, they basically said, look, we'll acknowledge that something did happen, but because it was not a police matter then we're not going to comment publicly, and then they left it at that. Um, So we don't really know any more about it, but Again, it's interesting that um, if we believe that the researchers that that wrote this report that police did comment and say, look, we're not going to comment, so that in itself is an admission that it happened. But the fact that it took place in a place that is, you know, so well known for crop circles, um, and obviously they've always been connected to UFOs and aliens as well. So the location really, as well as the fact that, you know, we were deemed fit to appear in a national newspaper, kind of makes you think, well, yeah, we should keep this one on the radar. Um, and the descriptions of these ten-foot-tall white aliens. Um, again, there are many other accounts of people saying that they have witnessed very similar humanoid, pale or off-white aliens. So it's an interesting story, and it's one that I, I think, again, because of all the things I've just highlighted, it's one just to keep on the back burner because you never know when accounts come up in the future, or even if they've happened years ago, but they come into the public arena in the future, and you think, well, okay that connects to this and you know the details in these are the same we've seen in there so yeah it's an intriguing encounter i um, mean and, and if, if if there is an issue it is frustrating that the police wouldn't offer confirmation really just just that the account did happen or it happened as it said it happened
0: it was a uh, great that andrew russell got involved in it uh, the crop circle expert and that sort of yeah lent credibility to the whole experience
1: yeah, and again, as I say, I mean the crop circle phenomenon—you could probably do a podcast on that alone, you know, and fill an hour right there. Oh, yeah. But I mean, but the fact that uh, you know, there's obviously an intelligence behind them. We have no idea what's causing them. Uh, whether this is communications through extraterrestrials—if we if we say, for example, that there's a there's a a living element to the Earth itself, it's almost if like the planet itself is trying to communicate with us. It, it's such a bizarre thing. Um, and, and it kind of leads me a little bit back to, you know, uh, where my research is going at the moment is that there is connections between all of these things. And I would I would imagine my next book will really be about this um, that the fact that this guy is saying he saw these strange creatures in the same location that there is already UFO sightings anyway, but where crop circles uh, appear. Again, it just makes you think, well, what's causing all these things? What is it? What, what, you know, what makes this uh, source sometimes manifest as aliens or sometimes manifest as crop circles or as a cryptid or as a UFO? Uh, I mean, you start to look at maybe ley lines and you start to look at electromagnetic energies. I mean, you said, you know, Stonehenge, that's around there. There's a reason that was built around there. And it's probably got a lot to do with tapping into to energies that are all around us or, you know, ley lines that cross. And these could be responsible for a lot of these sightings, whether it's a strange creatures, vehicles in the sky. Um, I just think when you start to study UFOs and aliens, it, it just opens up a whole world to you that, you really weren't even looking to explore but you almost feel compelled to because certainly i do you sense some kind of interlink or connection with them
0: i agree and i know that uh, around crop circles oftentimes there are spheres or orbs uh, that are sighted um, and um some have speculated that uh, these are drones or some sort of a um, sphere of energy that actually forms these crop circles um on page 295, you have a story about strange orbs. And I wanted to yeah. conclude with that story because I know that uh, um, uh, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, he's the director of the Adaro office here in the United States. That's the Old Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. Okay. They're charged with investigating. Um, they took over for Tip if you've been following the press here in the States. Right, OK. But um, his most recent development is that he's been studying and reviewing tapes taken from Area 51, where it shows uh, silver cylindrical spheres flying around. No one seems to be aware of them, but they were caught on camera. And um, the story here, the strange orb sightings in Glasgow, Scotland, I thought very interesting, um, especially the part about... um, uh sightings in california in 2015 where these orbs seem to be stalking people
1: Hmm. yeah i mean this account came to me and i'll go on to the california one in a moment this account came to me from a guy called william and he contacted contacted me direct he said you know this happened to him and he basically saw an orb in the sky that was i mean in different colors it was it was metallic and solid but it was also giving off an array of colors and even even appeared to be just like a vapor around it. Uh, and he watched this and he saw it from his bedroom window. He's watched it move. And then he went to the back of the house where he could still see it once it had gone out of his sight and he watched it disappear. Now he said he'd never seen anything like it. Uh, his girlfriend also witnessed it with him. So, you know, he, he had a corroborating cooperating witness. And, um, as you say, there is more of these sightings of orbs and strange spheres, um, than people might think. Um, if if you i don't know, a couple of years ago there appeared to be almost like green spheres and these weren't lens flares or anything of that nature either um these were like green orbs that were captured usually on things like door cams but sometimes on you know dash cams and vehicles and as you say you know um you have instances of these like giving chase almost you know i've read reports of people who are driving along highways and you know you spot what your things are star in the sky then you realize it's moving then you realize it's getting closer and you know it's it's you know giving chase what's interesting here though and again going back to how everything could be connected these things never seem to actually catch people you know whether it's an an orb or a sphere which we're talking about here whether it's uh, a bigfoot whether it's a cryptid creature we don't ever hear of somebody being pursued and then they end up in in a bad way or a bigfoot's ripped someone to pieces or anything it's almost like the closest you'll get to it is someone's being pursued, say by a bigfoot in this instance, they chip over, they look behind them, the bigfoot's right there, and then it turns and runs. Now, anything in nature, if it's chasing, it, it it's going to finish the kill. It's you know, it's going to get you if it catches you. Uh anything will do that a bear, a lion, whatever is pursuing. But these creatures don't seem to do that. They just seem to turn and run. And the same with spheres. And, and even other UFOs, they will trail people for, for, for miles and, you know, show the capabilities to get right close to them. But, but then they'll just start off. Even with planes, we've got this, where UFOs are zooming in, they'll fly parallel with an aircraft, and rather than collide, then it'll suddenly take off. Now, it's a theory of some people that these things are almost powered by the fear of the people that they're pursuing. And, and, and you know, they, they kind of, they draw strength from that. And so when they finally caught them and they can't get any money, I know it sounds a bit like Monsters, Inc. this, but, you know, this is where people have kind of said, well, this could be true, is when they've kind of got as much fear as they can, then, you know, they disappear into their own own existence, wherever that is. And I think that's the case with these spheres. It's bizarre. I mean, I've even read cases of these spheres and orbs entering a person's home. And there was a case in Florida. Um, I forget whereabouts in Florida, but there was a case in Florida um, about 10 years ago. Uh, a married couple just enjoying an evening together at home and these orbs just appeared uh, through the wall uh, going around the house as if as if like you said like it's a drone looking for things and uh, or looking for just looking around and then they just disappear again so it, it's bizarre and fascinating and um you know this guy william although he at the time he didn't speak about it until he spoke to wars um is that you know, you think you're the only one who's seen these things, but the fact is people are seeing it all over the world um, and have done for years. And then when you figure into that, the amount of people that won't speak about it, whether through fear of ridicule or because they don't want to admit it to themselves, even the numbers are probably astonishingly high, really.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't want to keep you much longer. It's about 40 minutes now. And I promised you I'd keep it at about 40. It was Fascinating talk. Um, want to remind our readers that uh, uh, this book has over 60 stories. Please run out and get it from deep within the archives of UFO Insight by Marcus Loth. Marcus, um, do you want to let our readers know about anything that you have going on or about uh, why don't we talk a little bit about me time for the because I was on there um, just for a short while. And there's so much on there. I mean, you can spend weeks just reading the stuff you've written on there.
1: Yeah. I mean, me time for the mind, unfortunately at times tends to take a back seat uh, because a lot of my work obviously goes into UFO insight. Uh, I've been recording a show called Mysterium, which you'll be able to see in mid September on YouTube and uh, with the Zohar group. And, um, but me, me time for the mind was really how, how I started getting my ideas out into the public and it revolves around not just UFOs but all aspects of the paranormal uh, unexplained mysteries anything anomalous really uh and it is my desire to build that up there's a lot there now as you say to it to uh to get through but there's so much more I want to put out on there so yeah please keep an eye on that because I'm gonna build that up uh we've also got the me time for my YouTube channel there's nothing on there really at the moment but there's um there's plans to you know, develop a little series and put that out. And again, all on all on things anomalous, unsolved mysteries, ancient mysteries, uh, and how they might all connect. Uh, because that is something that I generally think it is it will prove to be the case. I think everything is connected. And it's just a case of finding out what those connections are. But yeah, certainly keep in mind out on me time for the mind and always keep checking out your for insight because you know, we've got the podcast, we've got all the videos, and we put regular articles out on there and, and we'll continue to do so for for the foreseeable, really.
0: Thank you, Marcus. It's been a no pleasure problem. having you on UFO Disclosure. I hope we can do this again. Absolutely. This is Al Barrows with Marcus Loth from UFO Insight. Um, thank you all for listening to UFO Disclosure. Be well.